This episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge is sponsored by IATA Training. More than 1 million students have boosted their aviation careers with them. Visit www.iata.org training to discover how they can help your aviation career. That's iata.org training. The third quarter earnings reports for U.S. airlines are pretty much all in, and the results were great. Every airline saw double-digit operating profit margins, and there were some real standouts like Alaska, which posted a delectable 22% Jason, margin. Jason, Jason, Jason. Yeah? Uh, that's way too upbeat. Okay, let's try this. Third quarter earnings for U.S. airlines were pretty much disappointing across the board. While all the airlines posted double-digit margins, they were largely underwhelming. Even Alaska's 22% margin was down from 26% a year ago. Yeah, it's more like it. It's a strange story where nothing but good news is framed so somberly, but that's the challenge when you're up against great expectations, I suppose. I'm Jason Cottrell, Vice President of Airline Weekly. And I'm Seth Kaplan, Managing Partner of Airline Weekly. We're going to spend pretty much the whole show on the U.S. earnings picture. Of course, I'm talking about airlines such as United, American, Allegiant, Southwest, JetBlue, Spirit, and more, all coming up in the Airline Weekly Lounge. Thanks for joining us. We're talking about the U.S. earnings reports, which were by and large disappointing. The third quarter is, after all, historically the best quarter for U.S. carriers. But mostly it was the simple fact that U.S. airlines all did worse than the year before. Starting with American, they posted a 12.3% operating profit margin. That was down from 16% the year before Q3. United posted an 11.6% margin, down from nearly 17% the year before. Southwest was 16%, down from 19%. JetBlue was 17%, down from 20%. I could go on. Every U.S. carrier, except for Frontier and some country who haven't reported yet, was down from the year before. Seth, is it largely the same story for all these carriers? Yeah, in the sense that you know their, their costs, by and large, are all up. And uh, their revenues, although in some cases up, aren't up by as much as the cost. And, and that's of course, when you're running a business, what it comes down to, uh, what matters most isn't uh, what's happening to your costs in a vacuum or your revenues in a vacuum. Uh, but if your costs are going up, your revenues better be going up by more than your costs. And that has not happened uh, for any of these U.S. airlines. Now, an airline could cer- certainly be alarmed by dropping margins, or they could tell themselves, hey, we still saw solid results and we're really just competing with results from the year before, which happened to be spectacular. Which of these sentiments was the prevailing one among U.S. carriers? Well, uh, among investors, it's 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 uh, it's it's some of the alarm. Um, look, uh, it, it probably wasn't realistic to expect the same kinds of margins that uh, had persisted for a couple of years in a very unusual environment to indeed continue. Uh, you know, 2014, 15, especially. You sort of had this, um, you know, revenue environment that was still as if fuel was still expensive, uh, but a cost environment reflected the reality of cheaper fuel. 
you know, the, the the big raises to labor groups that everybody knew were coming now that these U.S. airlines are making a lot of money. Uh, a lot of them hadn't yet kicked in. Uh, so, you know, to a large degree, this is all just sort of uh, the, the predictable equilibrium that, that was always going to come after you had, you know, falling fuel prices and airlines feeling incentivized to grow a little more uh, rapidly, which is going to put downward pressure on unit revenues. As I said, those new labor deals, which everybody knew, uh, you know, even if, yeah, you don't know exactly what things are going to cost until after a sign. Everybody knew they were coming. Uh, you know, everybody knows, for example, that Spirit, although it hasn't yet signed a new pilot deal, you know, its pilot costs are going to rise. Th- those things are are predictable. Uh, but it's the degree to which these uh, margins eroded in in that peak third quarter. I think that spooked uh, uh, in, investors. Um, now, you, you know, a big question going forward, Jason. And I know you want to go back and, and talk about the quarter that that, that just ended, but. Um, is, is you know what are the off-peak quarters going to look at? Going to look like rather because when you look at that third quarter, what's really remarkable is uh, and again I know you want to focus this show on on the U.S. airline uh, earnings, but you know some of those margins aren't any better or in some cases worse uh, than airlines elsewhere in the world. I'm talking especially about Europe, uh, you know where you've got some airlines doing very very well. Uh, you know Air Canada uh, doing very very well. The difference in Europe and and, and for an airline like Air Canada. Is that uh, you know even as recently as the as last winter, those off-peak quarters were still pretty bad. Whereas for the U.S. airlines uh, in recent years, a lot of times the difference isn't how great the great quarter is, but it's how uh, rather good what used to be the off-peak quarters are. So let's see here going into into the winter. You know what what the what the fourth quarter that we're in the middle of now looks like. Uh, you know what the first quarter looks like because. If the U.S. airlines want to uh, maintain their leadership in the world, a lot of that is going to have to do with uh, how relatively buoyant those off-peak quarters are. Okay, well, looking back at the third quarter, let's start with two of the bigger disappointments, United and American. So United reported a week before American, and Wall Street flipped out at how poorly United did. United was the only U.S. carrier to post declining revenues year over year. Seth, what went wrong? Yeah, and part of what they flipped out at uh, was, was, you know, how things look going forward. Uh, you know, they're they're worried that the uh, that the cost issues um, that basically that that there's no end in sight to uh, to rising costs uh, at a time when uh, you know revenues, especially for United, as you mentioned, uh, uh, still still very much in question. Um, I, I mean, look. All of these airlines, to one degree or another, almost all of them anyway, maybe not Hawaiian, uh, you know, suffered from the hurricanes that hit the uh, the U.S. and and the Caribbean. United certainly uh, a big impact at its uh, at its uh, Houston Bush Intercontinental Hub. Uh, so 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 you know that mattered. Uh, couldn't do anything about that, uh, but it you know it also kicked an own goal with the its basic economy rollout uh, you know at this point almost an old story but united did it you know very aggressively rolled out basic economy uh at one point every domestic seat on every flight had a basic economy option and united knew that it was uh you know going to lose some share uh to an airline like american especially at first because basically it had basic seats you know, where you couldn't get a seat assignment, couldn't make any changes and so forth, price the same as Americans' standard economy. Um, but it, it, it just went more poorly uh, than United ever, ever imagined. And, you know, and, and, and indeed, the, the, the whole source of basic economy, the ultra LCC competition, 
uh, did matter to United. I mean, one way or another, when you've got you know Spirit and Frontier competing very aggressively against you, uh, you know, even if United didn't respond optimally, uh, that was uh, going to be a problem with uh, you know for for United, uh, and and indeed it uh, it was. But uh, basically, yeah, it comes back to what I said in the intro. It was true for all U.S. carriers to one degree or or another, but especially United. Uh, as you mentioned, their their total revenues were actually down fractionally. The only U.S. airline for which that was true, uh, even as their costs uh, rose six percent uh, compared to a year earlier. Uh, all of that and, and the capacity growth of a, of a few percent. So obviously, when your costs are way up and your revenues are actually down, uh, you're, you're going to have a pretty disappointing quarter. Okay, so those are a lot of the reasons for the disappointment. But of the many positive things that United has going on, which of those do you think has the best chance of turning things around? Well, uh, you know, one thing it's going to help is something that's not going on at United. It's something that's going on at American, which is that, you know, what I mentioned before, um, uh, you know, United being very aggress- aggressive with the basic economy rollout. Well, American has now rolled out basic economy uh, rather broadly. So that first mover disadvantage that United had uh, has has somewhat gone away. Uh, you know, we'll have to see here, by the way, what Delta does in terms of, you know, if it's basic economy product changes at all. Delta still allows large carry-on bags uh, for people purchasing basic economy. American and United don't. Um, so, you know, so that's that's important. Also, if, if sort of the degree... Uh, it seems like there could be some firming of fares, you know, just just that war between United and the ULCCs, you know, between that and you know, among them uh, fighting each other and everything else. Um, some of the very uh, you know, just just the crazy low fares that were out there seem to be uh, firming, so that would help too. You know, United's new business class product, um, as widely as it has promoted Polaris, the reality is that it's still uh, the you know the, the hard product. The actual seats are still on. Um, on, on very few flights, uh, very few aircraft, rather, and so so uh, you know as that rolls out more broadly, it's going to have a more competitive premium product. Uh, you know, it continues to restructure its network. Uh, you know, putting more fifty seaters back in to feed its hub, uh, its hubs, and and uh, become more competitive, especially against. Uh, 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 you know, America in a lot of places where it's now flying from uh, Chicago that American had to itself. So, uh, yeah, so all of those things, uh, uh, it hopes, uh, will help going forward. Um, but but obviously it has a lot to prove. Yeah, there was a lot of excitement about new management uh, at this time a year ago, uh, and um, you, you know, and and these questions about whether you know, you know whether anybody could sort of. Uh, Run United effectively and turn it into a uh, a carrier that that could perhaps compete against uh, Delta, especially and uh, you know, close the gap. Uh, you know, for a while there was a lot of optimism, and and right now uh, people are back, investors are back uh, to to thinking that United uh, has a lot to prove, and you know, and, and customers too. Uh, uh, you know, as United and American both try to sort of. Uh, close the the product gap uh, with Delta, you know, in, in that regard too, it, it still has uh, some way to go, although its uh, its operations definitely are running a, a lot more smoothly than they were at one point. A week after United posted its lackluster results, American answered with a nearly identical operating profit margin, 12.3% versus United's 11.6%. So can United be forgiven a little bit here? You know, when they reported they were being compared only to Delta, who had a really strong quarter, not as good as last year, but almost as good. 
So now that we see Americans struggling and some others, which we'll get to, does it recast our view of United's results? Well, and, and yeah, you know, most of those other airlines also saw their their the shares tumble to one degree or another. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it, 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 including you know Delta, by the way, has been impacted too. I mean, there, there, there's there's more gloom. Uh, investors, broadly speaking, are 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 uh, rather suddenly focusing again on costs. Uh, and and some of this stuff, you know, kind of comes into and out of fashion. I mean, I don't remember, you know, 10, 15 years ago, all and if you listen to an earnings call, all investors cared about was costs, you know, and look at what's happening to your unit cost. Uh, at, at a time when airlines were beginning to really pay a lot of attention to things like in the face of rising oil prices back then, um, shrinking capacity to try to squeeze up yields, uh, to try to squeeze up unit revenues, um, but that was hurting unit costs. And back then, airline you know, a lot of investors were like, well, what? Look at your costs. Look at what's happening to costs. And airlines sort of said, "Well, you know, unit costs might rise, but if unit revenues rise by more than unit costs, that can be a good thing." Um, but all they wanted to hear about uh, at that point was 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 costs. Uh, and then it sort of swung so far to the other direction that in recent years, all everybody has been obsessed with uh, is is unit revenues, seemingly. Uh, you know. I'm oversimplifying a bit, but that's been the that's been the focus. Is what about your unit revenues? And uh, you know, as as fuel costs fell, and airlines began growing again, um, you know, investors were very concerned about what that growth would do to unit revenues. Because when you grow, put more supply into the marketplace, it tends to put downward pressure on your airfares and thus your unit revenues. And airlines sort of said, "Hey, but look, it's it's helping our unit costs tremendously." And investors weren't too impressed. They just wanted to hear about the, what was happening to unit revenues. Well, uh, so sure enough, as airlines began slowing the growth to try to squeeze up the unit revenues, which indeed you know has been happening over the past year or so, well, guess what's happened? It's 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 put upward pressure on unit costs, which are under pressure anyway because of rising labor costs and, and now rising fuel costs as well that are well off their lows. Um, so you know. Uh, that's all. I, I think I forgot your initial question, Jason. But, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, is, is United, I think you're saying is United not alone here? And the answer is, yeah, to one degree or another, uh, they're not alone. American, by the way, like United, um, suffered very directly from the, uh, from, from the hurricanes. Um, you know, American has a huge hub in Miami. So what, one thing, uh, for Delta, although Atlanta was impacted, uh, uh, by Irma, um, you know, both United and American had, uh, had a hub that was, you know, very directly impacted by one of the hurricanes uh, for for uh, for a period of time so uh, you know there there was there was that too but uh, yes anybody who thought that only United uh, had some of the problems that it had uh, that that did not turn out to be the case as exhibited indeed by American and both American and United uh, yeah um, roughly speaking for four margin points behind uh, Delta. Yeah, I don't remember my question either, but uh, you gave a very thorough answer. In fact, you've you've, you've used up so much time that <laughs> it brings us to uh, the moment in the show where we thank our sponsor, IATA Training. Did you know that 36 million new aviation-related jobs will be needed in the next two decades? Offering over 350 aviation-related courses, IATA can help you take advantage of this huge opportunity and boost your career. And even better, if you register more than three months in advance, you can save 20% on course fees. Terms and conditions apply. Visit iata.org training for details and start shaping your career in aviation. 
That's I-A-T-A dot org slash training. Now, we discussed Delta's results in the last show, but now that we have Americans and United's numbers, makes Delta's 16% margin look really strong. Has it ever been more clear that Delta is rather unique in the industry? Yeah, you know, and there have been moments uh, over the past few years where, where, um, where either of those other airlines, American United, have, have, have seemed to be closing uh, the gap. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, you know, United, everybody's sort of excited about, about them here. Uh, you know, oh, a year ago when everything was, was uh, beginning to change there. Um, American at one point, um, especially as fuel prices were falling and American uh, it was really getting the benefits of being completely unhedged for fuel. Uh, and that, by the way, uh, is, is part of what hurt American here. Their fuel costs were, were way up last quarter because of uh but the fact that they are in hedge, which you know, even if that's helped them overall, that that does uh, tend to hurt in a, in a quarter when fuel costs are way up. Uh, but anyway, no, uh, compared to Delta, yeah, it, it, it's it's um, uh, it, it is clearly more successful uh, than those two airlines. Um, you know, for airlines that uh, that have roughly similar. Uh, Revenues, you know, annual revenues. If I look last year, between oh thirty-seven and forty billion. Um, you, you know, just looking at at last year, I mean, Delta earned a billion dollars more than either of those uh, two other airlines. Uh, you know, and 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 Doug Parker uh, in, in Americans earnings call said, "Hey, part of it is that Delta has forty percent of its uh, capacity flying into and out of Atlanta, which is just an, an amazing hub, and 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 uh, uh, you know, American." You know, Charlotte is an amazing hub for for American, but uh, it's a lot smaller as a percentage of, of of the airline. And Parker said, if American could fly forty percent of its capacity into and out of Charlotte, it would be just as profitable as Delta would. Well, you'd have to go through and do, see the do the analysis to see uh, whether that's precisely true. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, Atlanta is a um, is is a special place. Uh, it's this perfectly designed hub airport with very low costs and you know great geography and all the rest of it. Uh, and, uh, so, you know, whether it's that, whether it's Delta's mostly non-union, uh, workforce with the exception of its pilots, uh, you know, or, or something else, um, yeah, we're kind of back to that situation where, uh, uh, American and United, although they are, uh, doing well still compared to plenty of airlines around the world earning good profits, uh, are, they're clearly behind Delta with no sign of them, uh, closing that gap anytime soon here. Moving beyond the big three, Allegiant isn't the biggest airline in America, but it had one of the biggest stories in the third quarter, and it wasn't a happy story. The company posted a 12% operating margin, but that was down from 23% the year before. That's almost like getting cut in half. Yeah, you know, an airline that at, at some points over the past few years has had, you know, sometimes it'll put up a, a, a 30% uh, operating margin, uh, you know, at, at times has been just about the most profitable airline in the world by operating margin you know, up there with, with Ryanair and airlines uh, uh, like that. Now, look, um, Allegiant was... was significantly impacted by not only the hurricanes because it has heavy Florida exposure, but also by that massacre in, in, in Las Vegas. So, you know, Allegiant's based there and has um, uh, a huge presence in, in Las Vegas. And, uh, and that did hurt bookings uh, there. It actually benefited by the way, from the fact that the, that the hurricanes came during a, a very slow time in Florida. September is, 
uh, I believe it's the slowest month of the year for, for its uh, Florida traffic. So it doesn't have a lot of capacity um, uh, scheduled then. Basically, with Allegiant, it's, it's, a, it's a cost uh, story. It's, uh, its operating costs jumped 19% which um greatly exceeded a a a three percent increase in uh in in capacity uh its revenues rose five percent so the revenue revenues outpaced the the capacity growth but uh but you know that that was good but then the costs uh vastly outpaced um uh, either of the other two and so uh you know you, you add that all up and you get what you said which is uh, you know we're just not used to seeing margins from allegiant that are in the ballpark of, of most other airlines in the world. Uh, and as you said, they were right down there with, uh, with American and United with that 12% margin. Another airline severely affected by the hurricanes and posting a rough quarter was Spirit. Operating margin was 16%, way down from 23% the year before. Seth, how much did hurricanes play a role here? Well, they, they erased... Forty million dollars in uh, in revenue, um, which for an airline like Spirit is a big deal. I mean, forty million dollars. Um, you know, that's a, that's a figure that wouldn't register too much for for the giant airlines. But uh, Spirit had oh, uh, just under seven hundred million dollars in in revenue for the quarter. So, uh, uh, you know, you could see that that makes a, um, a a big difference for them. It wasn't just hurricanes. Uh, they had the pilot unrest in in the previous quarter but that it impacted bookings for you know obviously when everybody saw the pilots doing that and, and uh, the unreliable airline impacted bookings for the third quarter um continued issues with the engines on its a320 neos it has the um pratt and whitney gear turbofan engines which um which have uh uh you know seem to be continuing to cause uh, some issues for uh, for spirit and other uh airlines um, and so, yeah, it, it was uh, a rough quarter for Spirit, although the worst, and I mentioned this earlier when we were talking about United, um, the worst of the pricing issues um, might be over. And, uh, you know, it's, it's doing what it can uh, on the revenue side. It's, uh, it's, it's really beginning to, to revenue manage um, ancillaries. I think anybody who, who's, I mean, anybody, a lot of savvy travelers in the U.S. know that one of the, the, the best kept secrets uh uh, in the U.S., in terms of travel, are the big front seats on Spirit, which are, you know, like a domestic first-class seat, just without the differentiated uh, uh, service. And a lot of times, though, the problem with those is that they sell out way too early. They're they're not, you know, they're not priced high enough um, relative to all the demand for them. But you know, now it's starting to do things like um, like like try to vary those uh, those costs more, uh, those prices more, I should say. Um, and so, uh, so we'll see here going forward, but yeah, Spirit's another airline, um, which, uh, you know, used to be among the most profitable in the world and it's, it's still doing fine. It's, uh, margins have come down a lot and Jason in Spirit's case, uh, and I mentioned this very briefly earlier, but Spirit's case, you know, don't forget this is before a lot of the worst of the cost inflation has, has taken effect because despite the pilots, uh, I said a strike, I mean, it was, you know, a sick out, you know, wasn't it wasn't an official strike, uh, an alleged sick out. Um, but, uh, you know, d- despite all of that, and despite them going back to work, they don't have a new deal yet. And so at some point here, there's going to be a new pilot deal and that will uh, pressure spirits cost upward uh, some more. So uh, as opposed to American Delta and United, which have by and large um, already absorbed the, the worst of the cost inflation. Um, that's not the case for uh, some other airlines, including Spirit. Southwest had a pretty good Q3. 
Like Delta, they held on to most of their margin, which was 17%, down from just 19% the year before. Like Delta, they didn't have one hub that was, that was you know, quite impacted like, you know, United's Houston hub or Americans uh, Miami hub by the hurricanes. But, you know, but they had, they dealt with a lot. Um, you know, the storm certainly impacted them. The massacre in Las Vegas impacted them. That's, that's a huge station for them. Uh, you know, the, the, the earthquakes in Mexico, wildfires in California, all of it. And, uh, you know, and they had the cost associated with uh, the, their new reservation system uh, with phasing out their oldest 737s, uh, the 300s, bringing in the, uh, uh, the 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 new 737 Max 8s technically began flying at the you know, first first of this quarter uh, October 1st um, and and yeah despite it all they did um, uh, they did uh, rather well um, you know this is an airline that just has an amazing domestic network it's the dominant airline in in just really countless of countless short haul business markets that you know if you want to fly from you know. St. Louis to Kansas City or Nashville or, you know, just all these places, uh, you know, Southwest is your airline and the yields are actually rather high. And they might have benefited too, Jason, from, uh, you know, we talk about basic economy and all the rest of it. Um, this is an airline that whether or not it really makes sense overall for them to continue to offer this highly bundled product that includes two free check bags and all the rest of it. There's no question that in, the, in terms of market positioning, um, you know, well, everybody else beats themselves up. Um, you know, Southwest, to some degree, uh, probably stands to gear, to gain share from being the airline where you don't have to think about uh, all of that sort of stuff. And so, for the moment, anyway, uh, they probably benefit from uh, from from that fact from being this uh, this uh, this highly bundled airline, um, at, at least from a, a customer perception uh, perspective. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, you know, whether or not there are things that they could be doing even better, you know, the reality is that uh, that they're doing quite well. Uh, and, and this is certainly something that I don't think a lot of people saw coming a few years ago. Southwest with um, with 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 a mar with, you know, an operating margin significantly higher than those ultra low cost carriers that were among uh, the, the most profitable airlines in the world up until not too long ago. JetBlue was one where we knew hurricanes would have an outsized impact on their quarter. But the airline weathered things pretty well, posting a 17% margin compared to 20% the year before. Yeah, uh, and, and hurricanes did indeed impact them. Um, they said, oh, you know, a $44 million revenue impact for the quarter. But if you remember, you know, we said Spirit said $40 million. Well, $44 million for JetBlue is not as big of a deal as $40 million is for Spirit. Because remember, I mentioned Spirit had you know less than $700 million in quarterly revenue, where JetBlue had almost $2 billion. Uh, you know, it's an airline with, with, with just a lot more exposure uh, in terms of transcontinental capacity in the in the U.S. And, and all the rest of it. Now, on the other hand, JetBlue is the biggest airline in San Juan. And so the impact is actually going to be greater in this current quarter. Uh, they're talking 70 to 90 million dollars in lost revenue uh, and 50 to 70 million dollars in lost profit for the current quarter. Uh, and you know, and San Juan's going to be impacted all quarter ago. Uh, it's going to be impacted um, you know, going for especially places in the Northeast Agua, the uh, you know, that were 
particularly hard hit um, for you know, at least most of uh, next year. So um, going forward, uh, they, they certainly have issues there. They have cost issues too, as most airlines do. Uh, and so, you know, there's, there, there, there are causes for a concern uh, if, if you're JetBlue, um, but it certainly helps to be starting from, uh, from a, a, a stronger position uh, as they're in right now. Things for them, by the way, going um, very well in Boston. I mean, that, that, that was a, a real strategic masterstroke for them to build up Boston like they did. That, that was clearly a, uh, a very good decision. Uh, their new uh, co-branded credit card with it, it's a Barclay MasterCard that has uh, injected all kinds of new uh, revenue into the company. It seems to have worked uh, rather well for them uh, as as well. So uh, so we'll see here as Bo- as Delta, by the way, continues to build up its presence in Boston. That's not helpful for JetBlue. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, they um, you're right. Uh, rather impressive result given everything that they that they faced last quarter. Now, if I were making a list of airlines not to worry about, Alaska Airlines would be right up there, probably next to Ryanair. But Alaska, which posted a handsome 22% margin, is nonetheless dealing with some real revenue pressure on its Transcon routes. It is. And, and it's said that it's talking particularly about the the part of its Transcon network that was that's basically the Virgin America network. Alaska, of course, bought Virgin America. Um, and so it's talking about those competitive markets, Los Angeles, San Francisco in particular, more than, uh, you know, Seattle and, and, and Portland, the, the legacy Alaska Airlines hubs. Um, and, and yeah, you know, some of those markets, I mean, uh, take a look at, at the schedule data in Dio and JetBlue. I mentioned the Boston buildup, but Transcon out of Boston, especially, um, is way up, and of course that includes the Mint uh, live flat seat, uh, and and you know Alaska has to uh, has to compete against that. Uh, I mean, in the case of Mint, with a suboptimal product on, on Alaska's side, uh, uh, you know it's it's uh, generally Virgin's first class seats, which are not live flat seats. Um, the, eventually, that's all going to transition to the to the Alaska product, but um, those competitive pressures on the uh, on the Virgin America side. Are, are something that continues to have to deal with, even though uh, there's little question that that network is better as a part of Alaska uh, than it would have been had, had uh, Virgin continue uh, stumbling along on its own. And in what seems to have become a trend in the lounge, we're going to end the show in Hawaii with Hawaiian Airlines, of course. They probably had the sunniest third quarter, both figuratively and literally, of all the U.S. carriers. 24% operating margin, almost matching last year's 25.5% margin. Seth, so why were their shares pounded last week? Yeah, their stock price down 19% last week. Probably because, uh, you know, Southwest announced that they're going to begin flying to Hawaii. That was no surprise. Everybody thought that was going to happen sooner or later. But then in their earnings call, they said that they're thinking about running inter-island flights, uh, and that, if in fact they do that, would be a, a much bigger deal for Hawaiian Airlines. Um, uh, you know, Island Air, the, the one current local competitor there recently filed for bankruptcy. They're still flying, uh, but you know, if anything, Hawaiian had to be optimistic about sort of consolidating their grip on the on the inter-island market, and instead, here you have Southwest. 
um, which is an airline that, I mean, just, just in terms of its product and its cost structure is, is very well structured to do short haul, uh, better structured to do short haul than to do the longer haul flights. The Hawaii probably uh, saying that maybe they want to get into that market. Uh, so, you know, so first you had this, uh, this, yeah, this, this rather optimistic earnings release by Hawaiian. And then you had that comment by Southwest. Who knows if they'll actually do it? Um, but that seemed to be the catalyst to, uh, to, to, you know, investors, uh, selling off their shares, um, you know, back now to the earnings themselves, which for the moment are, are, are excellent. Um, you know, look, uh, demand for vacations in Hawaii is as strong as it's ever been. And they're the airline best position to capture that, uh, you know, source markets, places where people fly from to get to Hawaii are doing very well. So we're talking about the West coast U S uh, you know, which is doing very, very well right now. Japan, uh, is a place where, where people are feeling good too. Um, and so, uh, you know, so yeah, Hawaiian has been uh, benefiting from that. I mean, look, there's, there's, there's all kinds of competition there. United for one, uh, is planning to increase its, its capacity to Hawaii along with Southwest, at least flying to Hawaii. We'll see whether they actually do the inter-island stuff. Um, but as long as demand continues increasing, uh, which it has been, and then, uh, you know, that should net out rather well, uh, for Hawaii, which by the way is, uh, is going to be starting a, 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 a close partnership with Japan Airlines. So that uh, could be another important relationship, uh, again, in a market, which, as I mentioned, is, is, is a very, very important one uh, for that airline. So, uh, yeah, so for the moment, at least, uh, they are doing very, very well. And, uh, yeah, putting up margins now that make them uh, among the most profitable airlines in the world. Always nice to end on a high note. For Seth Kaplan, I'm Jason Cottrell. Thanks for listening to episode 84 of the Airline Weekly Lounge. This episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge was sponsored by IATA Training. Visit www.iata.org training to discover more than 350 courses to help boost your career in aviation. That's iata.org training.